Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's Word together on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Glad you could join us this morning. So we are working our way through the book of Isaiah, and today we're going to cover chapter 12. And as we get into it, let me ask you a question. What did you do yesterday? Uh, in particular, I'm assuming, since this is Monday, I'm assuming that uh, most of you gathered with uh, God's people in, uh, in some form or fashion. What was the purpose of that gathering? What did you accomplish there? What, why did you go there? This is a rhetorical. You don't need to, you don't need to answer uh, on chat or anything or in the comments. Just think about it in your own mind. What was, what was the centerpiece of, of the gathering yesterday? And I don't mean what should have been the centerpiece, but what really was the centerpiece? Uh, if, if an unbeliever, someone who had never been to a gathering of Christians like that before, if they had come with you, if they'd walked in in your group, what would they have walked away with as the, uh, the purpose? Would they, would they be able to discern what the purpose of that gathering was? Well, as we, as we look through Isaiah 12 here, we're going to see that uh, Isaiah saw a preview of kind of what we were going to do in the new covenant. Although uh, what the original audience thought was happening may have been a little different from what we now understand. So Isaiah 12 begins with this. Then on that day, sorry, I'm reading it wrong. Then you will say on that day. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. So the first question you need to ask coming to this text is, on what day? Right? That's a, that's a specific reference. Then you will say, on that day. On that day, you'll say this. What day? Well, it's the day he's been talking about. Starting in chapter 11, and you could argue even before that, let's remind ourselves here of what they were looking for. And again, I keep telling you this, but I want you to, I want you to get into the Jewish mindset and see if you can experience a little bit of what they would have experienced. Uh, say this is, I don't know, 3rd, 4th, 5th century B.C., they are under God's judgment. Israel, the Jewish people, are under God's judgment. They, uh, they've been living in exile for generations, uh, taken away from their homes. They, they, they know the motherland, Jerusalem, the, the city of David. They read the, the stories of Joshua and King David and Solomon. They read those stories and all the miracles God did and all the, the prosperity and the thriving and the growth uh, and, and the power of the Jews. They read the Old Covenant and all the promises that God held out for the Jewish people, how they would be the head and not the, 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 the tail. And they would one of them would drive seven men away and, and instead of conquering their enemies, They've been conquered. They're poor. They have little freedom. Uh, they're, they're under the control. They're, they've gone back to Egypt. 
right? They read those stories too, and they they know what it was like when Pharaoh was pressing down upon uh, the Jewish people in uh, in Moses's day. But then God raised up Moses and delivered them, and and pr- made them all these promises, and they had such a, a great hope for the future. And yet that all just seems like a, a bygone dream because for generations now, they have been under the rule of, of foreign kings and the life is miserable. In every way, it's miserable. And in, so you put yourself in that situation and you read chapter 11. A shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord, the Lord's own spirit, will rest on him. Well, what, what, what will that spirit produce in him? Well, he's a spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and strength. A spirit of the knowledge of the Lord and fear of the Lord. This, this shoot of Jesse, this one who's coming, like David was a shoot of Jesse, this one, this, this son of Jesse is going to come and he's going to have the spirit of God resting on him with wisdom, understanding, counsel, strength, knowledge, and fear. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord and he'll be a just judge. He won't judge by what his eyes see nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. Remember, these people are all experiencing poverty and affliction, right? That's their, that's their status. That's their, that's where they are. The, the generations following Isaiah and there's going to be one coming who will judge them fairly. You can imagine uh, some of these folks living under the uh, Babylonian rule or the Persian rule or the Greek rule or the Roman rule. And they're slaves. They're poor. They have no influence, no power. And they're mistreated. They're taken advantage of. Uh, they're promised things and those promises aren't kept. Uh, they can't get a fair hearing before the magistrates because they're poor and they're Jews. They're slaves. And this hope of someone coming, a judge, who will judge fairly and righteously. And their, their poverty state, their uh, state of affliction will not be used against them. And he will, he will judge, he will condemn, he will, he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. These wicked, evil overlords who are crushing them, who are beating them, who are doing great violence to them. This one who comes, who will judge with fairness, he will see what's going on and he will slay them just with, with a breath of his mouth, like, like having the power to just blow the wind and wipe out these evil oppressors. In fact, this will be his, his uniform. Righteousness will be the belt about his loins and faithfulness, the belt about his waist. You know, we see what's happening in our world today and, and we start thinking, how bad is this going to get here in the U.S., right? We see how the left is pressing in on, on not only morality that has been foundational to the U.S. for a while, but, but those of us who, who proclaim truth, who, who hold fast 
to God's righteousness, who, who call out sin and uh, declare it's not okay to, to murder uh, children in the womb of their mother. And it's not okay to loot and pillage and all, all, the, all the things. And there's just this push against righteousness. And we think, how bad is this going to get? Uh, how are, are we going to be forced uh, into some kind of, I don't want slavery is too strong of a word, but you know, you, you can get it. Is there, what kind of persecution may come? And to think about this deliverer, this one coming, who will have as his very belt, ready for action by girding his loins, this very belt, it'd be righteousness and faithfulness. You, you can... You could see how we as Christians could become uh, under the, uh, the rule of evil men to such a degree that we would long for this kind of deliverance. We hear about uh, the underground church in China, for instance, and in other places. And uh, we hear stories of how they're thriving, but yet they have to be careful because the government uh, could expose them and could treat them cruelly. And you think... How many of those Christians read something like this and just think, yes, come Lord Jesus, as, uh, as Lon said last week, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus and judge. Uh, judge our enemies here. Well, that's, that's what's being held out here in chapter 11. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion, the fatling together, and a little boy would lead them, will lead them. Uh, this peace uh, in nature, as it's described here, um, uh, predators, wolves, leopards, lions hanging out with what used to be their prey, the lambs and the young goats, and, and no one's killing each other. Animals aren't killing each other. And a little boy leading them. I was uh, taking uh, a long walk this morning, beautiful sunrise, cool uh, of the day. It was just beautiful. And all of these, uh, these people, young and old, walking their dogs. And I was envisioning this and thinking, imagine, Imagine this, uh, this young, uh, there's one young girl walking a rather large dog. And I was thinking, imagine her with a lion on a leash <laughs> or a bear. Do you, do you remember, that you, you've seen some of these videos going around, these videos of, uh, of um, these people who have raised bears or lions since they were, uh, you know, newborns. And there seems to be this affection and yet you hear these stories now and again where the, the natural instincts of these animals come out and they, they end up killing or at least uh, injuring severely their, uh, their owners. And, uh, but there's still something, isn't there something about it for us? There's something about seeing a man or a woman petting a bear or a tiger or a lion. You're about people who have pet tigers and there's something about that that is both a little ominous. We think, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I could ever trust them enough. And part of us says, I want that. I want that. I want to walk among all these wild animals and not be afraid. Well, that's that's certainly what's described here. Uh, and and it's it's coming when this uh, this shoot of Jesse comes, right? The cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw instead of other animals. The lion will eat straw like the ox. And the nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child put his hand in the viper's den. Again, we talked about this. You won't be afraid of the baby crawling over and sticking his head into a bunch of rattlesnakes. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. No one's going to do damage. No fighting. No violence. 
no looting, no pulling out guns and shooting one another, no entering a mall, shooting people. For the whole earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covered the sea. Then in that day, there's that word, that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse. The nations, the Gentiles, not just the Jews, the Gentiles will seek this root of Jesse. And he, this, this root of Jesse, he will stand as a signal. Remember we talked about this, the, the flag on top of the pole, high on a, on a hill somewhere where everybody can see it. And they will seek him out for all the peoples, not just Jews. His resting place will be glorious. Then it will happen on that day. The Lord will again recover the second time with his hand the remnant of his people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. We talked about how from all four corners of the earth, that's all four directions are represented in those nations. And so again, you're in exile somewhere, and you have this promise that in that day, the Lord is going to bring all of his people back. All the Jews who've been scattered are going to come back to this one, uh, this, this root of Jesse. So there's hope. You get up this morning and you're laboring and you're working for for a pittance. And again, you have no political freedom. You don't have freedom to go do what you want to do. You're under the rule of some other king that doesn't love God. But then again, you're in this foreign nation like Babylon. And the promise is even those nations are going to come to the root of Jesse. And God's holding out the remnant. There's going to be people who come from all these different areas. And you're living day in and day out in the oppression thinking, is today that day? Where is this one who's coming? And he will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished one of Israel. See again, the constant back and forth between the Jews and the Gentiles are all coming. And he will gather the dispersed one of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Kind of repeating what he already said. Then the jealousy of Ephraim will depart, and those who harass Judah will be cut off, and Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, and Judah will not harass Ephraim. So the two two kingdoms of Israel will be united again without uh, jealousy. They will swoop down. All the people he's talking about will swoop down on the slopes of the Philistines on the west. Together they will plunder the sons of the east. So, so they will once again rise in strength and power and, and uh, realize the, the victory the dominance that was promised. And they will possess Edom and Moab, and the sons of Ammon will be subject to them. So instead of being the toe, the heel, the tail that they have been under exile, now they will be the heads again, just as promised in the covenant. And the Lord will utterly destroy, utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt. And will wave his hand over the river with a scorching wind. And he will strike it into seven streams and make men walk over on dry shod. So their feet will walk on dry ground here. The, 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 the river will turn into a dry land where they can walk and come to Zion. And there will be a highway from Assyria. One of the, uh, one of the uh, nations that dominated Israel. For the remnant of his people who will be left, just as there was for Israel... In the day that they came out of the land of Egypt. So it's comparing their rescue from Pharaoh and Egyptians to this day when God's rescuing them. Then on that day, that's the day. Then on that day, you will say. And this is singular. 
Interesting, this doesn't come across in English, but the Hebrew is singular. You, individual, you will say on that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for although you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comfort me. So he's drilling down here to the, to the, the individual Jew, right? Now think about what we've already seen in Isaiah. Isaiah has experienced this, remember? He sees the vision of the Lord on his throne and all of his glory and the seraphim and, and all of that. And, and what's his response? Oh, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And God brings atonement for him as an individual. The, the seraphim goes and brings the, uh, the coal from the altar. The altar represented sacrifice, right? Propitiation bloodshed. He brings that coal and he cauterizes Isaiah's lips. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And now, now his lips have been uh, purified. And then he sends Isaiah to the people. Remember, he, he, he says, who will go for me? And Isaiah says, here, I, here am I, send me. And he sends Isaiah to them. But what's his message? Yeah, go tell these people, you have ears, but you can't hear. You have eyes, but you can't see. You have hearts but and minds, but you can't understand. In fact, that's what Isaiah's mission was, to go and, and tell them, I don't want, God says, I don't want you to see and hear and really understand what I'm doing. Otherwise, you would turn and be saved. But his judgment was coming, and he was going to harden them so they wouldn't respond, so the judgment would come. And yet on that day, when this one, this root of Jesse and this shoot of Jesse when he comes, you will say, just like Isaiah did, you will say, I give thanks, O Lord. You were angry with me, but your anger is turned away. And you comfort me. You have compassion on me. You'll say, behold, God is my salvation. I didn't deliver myself from his anger. I wasn't able to do that. I didn't bring myself out of exile out of slavery to these foreign nations. God did that. You see, that's the salvation the Jew would have been thinking about. You see that? Do you understand that? This is why they missed what Jesus came to do. They thought, and, and not, not wrongfully, it, it, is, it is part of the, the vision here that this shoot of Jesse is going to come. Remember, he's going to put the government on his shoulders. And he's going to increase his government as he sits on the throne of David. And so, and they realized, at least they at some level realized, the reason they were in exile was because of their wickedness and idolatry. And so this deliverer who would come would bring them out of exile. That's the imagery we saw, the remnant coming to this, this standard on the hill, this, this, this flag, the, the Jesus, the, we now know, the, the Messiah who's coming, they would rally to him and be delivered from these oppressive nations who were ruling over them. And so how would they know God was no longer angry with them? Well, they would be delivered from those foreign rulers and come back to Zion and, and, and worship and, and be with this one who, uh, who was the deliverer. So it was a very earthy... Um, national kind of salvation they were looking for. And he says, you're going to say, God is my salvation. 
I will trust and not be afraid. Not be afraid of what? Not be afraid of other foreign rulers because now the, the son of Jesse has come, the, the descendant of Jesse has come, and he's sitting on the throne of David. I don't need to be afraid of God. I don't need to be afraid of other nations because God has delivered me. The Lord God is my strength and my song. We didn't deliver ourselves. God delivered us, and we sing about him, and, and we look to him for strength, and we trust him, and we're not afraid. He has become my salvation. We see this little inclusio here, this, this tie-in about salvation, deliverance, rescue. That's what salvation means. Uh, God has become my salvation, which kind of hints at this shoot of Jesse, be, who's coming, being God himself, doesn't it? Which ties into the, the names that he would have. Uh, wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And now, Isaiah broadens this out plural. Again, you can't see this in English, but in the Hebrew and the Greek, it's plural. Therefore, you, y'all, all y'all will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. Now, you need to put your thinking caps on here for a moment. And uh, I don't know how many we, we have with us uh, here today, but uh, what role has water played among the Israelites? And specifically, think back to the Exodus experience, right? Because uh, there's so much Exodus language and imagery here. What those people in that generation uh, coming out of Egypt, uh, what role has water played? And, and do you see anything here in the idea of uh, drawing water from the springs of salvation? Do you see any correlation to what the, uh, the Jews of old experienced and, and why this would be a hopeful message to them? Be curious. I, I know there's a little, little delay here, uh, so I'm going to go on and talk about it, but we'll see if anybody uh, sees, sees it. So first of all, we know that water played a role in, um, uh, in their rescue when they came up to the Red Sea. Remember, God leads them out of, out of Egypt, and now they're confronted with this huge barrier, the Red Sea, and got Pharaoh behind them, and, and they're between a rock and a hard place, right? There's just no way out of this. And God says, Moses, raise your hands, and he raises his hands, and God sends the wind and separates the Red Sea for them to part. So he, he, he led them through this water. But then remember, they're out in the, in the wilderness, and they don't have anything to drink. God says, Moses, hey, just strike the water, strike the rock, rather, and I will provide water. And water flowed from this rock. Yeah, Lon got out water from the stones, which got Moses in trouble. Yeah, so twice this happened, right? Once God did tell him to strike it. And the next time he said, just speak to it. And Moses, in his anger, struck it again. And that uh, cost him a, uh, a trip to the promised land. Uh, but God provided for, he, he saved them from dying of thirst uh, by miraculously bringing water from the rock. And Isaiah says, therefore, y'all, all y'all, you, when this, well, on that day, when this comes, y'all will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. And we think of all the ways Jesus talked about water. Uh, out of you will come living water. And that ties in some other prophecies like Ezekiel and so on. Uh, water will well up within you. He is that water, right? That kind of thing. In that day, y'all will say, 
Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. You're going to tell this to others. That's the point. You know this. You've experienced this. And you're going to share this with others. And you're going to call everybody around you. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Tell everybody else about his deeds. Make them remember his name, that his name is exalted. Isaiah here sees this vision of people who've experienced God's deliverance. Not only are they personally thanking God, but now they're calling others to honor, to worship, to declare his mighty deeds. So, again, we we know, at least in part, the fulfillment of all of this. We know this is Jesus. We know he's the, the, the root and the shoot of Jesse. And we know that the at least the first salvation that he lays out is not salvation from foreign rulers. And this is what got the Jews in trouble. Speaking of trouble, uh, Moses got in trouble. Well, the Jews all got in trouble of Jesus' day, most of them, because they wanted this national deliverer. And Jesus showed up and said, your biggest threat is not Caesar. Your biggest threat is God because you are a sinner and it's appointed for man who wants to die and then judgment. That's not what Jesus said directly. That's what the writer of Hebrews says, but he got it from Jesus, right? Don't be afraid of the one who can kill your body. Be afraid of the one who can kill your body and your soul. That's God. He says, no, your biggest threat is God himself. And I have come to bring you deliverance from his wrath. And so we know this. And so we, we thank the Lord for our salvation from God's wrath. And then I hope on your gathering yesterday, and this is, this is why the traditional church model, um, there's not as much room for this as there is when we gather less formally and uh, as the early church did, where we can encourage one another. At our, our gathering yesterday uh, here in my home, uh, the, one of the first things we did is we, we just went around and shared all, share all the blessings that the Lord has poured out on you in the last week or two or so. And, and certainly we tied it to the cross and we had the Lord's Supper together around a meal as the early church did. And we, 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 we grounded it all in the, in the greatest gift of, of the atonement on the cross and, and the death and resurrection of Jesus. But then we let that spill over into every good gift. Right? Everything, big and small, the Lord has done for us is, is his blessing. And it led to a great time of praise and thanksgiving for all that he has done for us. Ultimate salvation and then, and then lesser but still wonderful, glorious gifts from our Father. And it's, it's what I think Isaiah is seeing here. We're giving thanks to his name. We're calling on his name. We're making known all of his deeds. Remembering his name is exalted. He's reigning over heaven and earth. Jesus is this, this one who's coming. And so I think as we do that, when we gather, we're, we're fulfilling what Isaiah saw here. Even right now, today, yesterday, I, I think it's wonderful. He says, praise the Lord in song. Hopefully you sang, sang to the Lord for the excellent things that he has done. And we need to let this be known throughout the earth. And we cry aloud and we shout for joy. And what you don't see here in the English 
is that the Hebrew here, inhabitant of Zion, is feminine. I think that's important. He says, cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. I think he goes feminine here because if you recall earlier, as the judgment came, uh, as, as it was announced, as it was foretold, uh, God was especially harsh on men, but then the women too, wicked, evil women. I don't know if for some reason we, I don't know if it's just the feminist influence of our day, but we, um, we tend, I don't know, we, we're sort of afraid in our culture to point out the evil of women. Women are just as wicked as men, uh, and they always have been and always will be uh, if they're not converted and transformed by the Spirit of God. And, and the Lord has some very, very strong things to say about the, the women of Zion. And yet here, this is feminine here, cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, uh, men and women, all of us, all who who received the benefits of this uh, shoot of Jesse. We're all going to sing and shout and declare together how great is the Holy One of Israel in our midst. We're going to do this forever and ever and ever, friends. So I want to encourage you, make this a regular habit. Make it a regular habit with the people that you gather with in anticipation of all that is coming. I see Martin uh, asked that I look at the historicist post-millennialism. I did not look at that link. Thanks for reminding me. I had a full weekend and wasn't uh, thinking about these things, but I will. I'll check it out and, uh, and get back to you. Um, all right, friends, our time is, uh, is up today. Uh, I know this was not uh, particularly new information for you, but we need to think and rethink, continue to rethink how, what we're doing as we gather with God's people. And, and we need to get away from the idea of it being a, uh, a program, a service where a few people do their thing and the rest of us are spectators. But we need to gather with God's people regularly and sing praise and declare his wonderful deeds, starting with the death and resurrection of Jesus, but then spilling over into everything else that we do and fulfill this vision that Isaiah saw. The Jews were not able to put it together that this is what it's going to be, but we now understand this is all pointing to Christ and the glories of the new covenant. All right, folks, have a great day in the Lord, and uh, Lord willing, we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Take care.